Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana, featuring the card accepted by doctors in all 50 states. Information available at bcbsla.com or Twitter, hashtag TopDoctors. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti at Commander's Palace Restaurant. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Among New Orleans' many eccentricities is the fact that it's one of the few places outside of Disney World where you can find a statue of a fictitious character. Ignatius Riley, the life-size bronze guy on Canal Street, is a character in the novel A Confederacy of Dunces. In the book, Ignatius is so weird that he can't fit into the real world, even in New Orleans. But the one thing he can do is sell lucky dogs in the French Quarter. For nearly 40 years, my guest on Out to Lunch has been managing quirky misfits like Ignatius. Jerry Strahan has written his own book, not a novel, a chronicle of the wacky world of the lucky dog business called Managing Ignatius. And there's a second volume on the way. Jerry, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you for inviting me. God, now you took this as a temporary job 37 years ago? Yes, uh, he... I originally worked for the owner at Orange Julius and he bought Lucky Dogs and I came over to him with Lucky Dogs as a temporary job and it turned into days and weeks and decades. <laughs> yeah. Not that he nor I planned it that long. No, yeah. It's got to be something you like there though, I'll tell you though. And then on Charter Street in the French Quarters, not far from the Lucky Dog cart is one of the oldest and most sophisticated businesses in the quarter. It's a perfume store, Havé. Havé has been selling its own creations of Creole French fragrances since 1931. Amy Wendell, my other guest on Out to Lunch today, is the fourth generation of the family who started Havé. She's making traditional perfumes and she's still living above the store. Amy, you smell terrific. What are you wearing? I am wearing heliotrope today. Heliotrope? Which is a, a light vanilla note from the heliotrope flower. Wow, what is Jerry wearing? Can you tell? <laughs> like eau de mustard or? Yeah. The, uh, oh, the beef? beef. <laughs> from the hot dogs. You both smell great, really. This Thank is, uh, <laughs> now Jerry, uh, you started out at Tulane University, my home, as a star history student under celebrated historian Stephen Ambrose. You wrote a very well-received book about Andrew Higgins and his contribution to World War II, which the Wall Street Journal called one of the top five books ever written about an unsung American war hero. Obviously, you could have a career as an academic if you wanted, but you chose to get up every day and wrangle a bunch of hot dog vendors in the French Quarter. What is it about the lucky dog business that you find so compelling that nearly 40 years later, you're still doing it? Every day is different. You know, I face employment situations that most people never see. I don't think we're teaching this at the business school. No, the no, I, I had one employee one day come up to my office. They, they sent him up from downstairs. They said, Jerry, you have to see Smitty. We need your approval. Smitty walked in the office. Sometimes Smitty comes dressed as Roy Rogers, sometimes as Dale Evans. Um, on this day, he had on a black miniskirt, frilly blouse, and he had on heels. And he walked in and he said, they tell me you're not gonna let me wear this to work. He said, you're gonna discriminate. I said, absolutely not. We don't discriminate here. But we do follow the Catholic girls' school's dress code. 
If you kneel down and the miniskirt touches the floor, you can wear it. If it doesn't, you've got to go home and change. And he knelt down, it didn't touch the floor, missed it by about a half an inch, and he had to go home and change. Wow! So it's, it's every day it's like going to a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you can't argue with the church. This has worked for Catholic girls for years. This is true. Yeah, they... Uh, what is it that makes somebody uh, go into this, this field? I mean, they're, are they kind of between parts of their lives? You know, or? I, you know I, after, after 30-something years, I've seen people with doctor degrees work it. I've seen attorneys work it. I've seen people who've just opted out of society. Especially after Vietnam, there were a lot of people who could not fit back into the norm. They couldn't have a boss standing over their shoulder all night long. And it gives them the freedom. They can come and go as they want. They can work one day a week. They can work seven days a week. They can take off six months. They drift in and they drift out. And, and I know we're always going to have employees. I just never know who they're going to be. And you have to be able to adapt your management around that. If you can do that, um, it works fine. And we have, it, we're, we're true gumbo. We have every race. We have every gender. We have every half gender. Um, and they all get along fine there. It's almost like a foxhole mentality. It's us against everyone else on Bourbon Street that we have to deal with every night. Which is a very dangerous job because they're exposed on the street. They have nowhere to turn. They're 360 degrees open and everyone knows they're handling money. But, but a camaraderie develops. And it, it's uh, not every day's fun, but it is different. Well, as, a, as a finance professor, that was the first thing I thought of is, uh, how do you work the money part? Is it, are you on the honor system? Uh, no. No. <laughs> not, not the honor system. <laughs> Um, they're actually independent subcontractors. We sell them the supplies when they go out. When they come back in, then we, we reimburse them for the supplies that they bring back. We send someone out every two hours checking on them because a vendor could go to the store and buy his own hot dogs and buns from a grocery and sell them off the cart, and then he would keep 100% of the gross and we would get none. So we make sure that it's our product on the cart. You know, I will say this. One thing I have to give these guys, the bulk of them are honest. They are working, they're not standing in line somewhere, and you have to admire them, they're out there in the rain, they're out there in the cold, they're out there in the heat, so that I can have a better life. So you hear about the post office, but really it's the lucky dog people that are there. Oh yeah, through we're, we're there around the snow. clock, uh, you know, unless the, unless the storm has a name to it, we're out. Now Amy, you run your business very similar, I would imagine, a lot of street people that are working at the store. And <laughs> there's, uh, they, uh, you're running an old established family business that has the dual challenge of maintaining the traditions of the business and adapting to the changing circumstances. I'm, I'm sure you've made other changes to Jave, which we'll get to, but the most obvious is your decision to expand. You've opened an outlet in a location that couldn't be really more different from the French Quarter, Destin, Florida. Uh, other traditional New Orleans family businesses have opened over there in Destin and later closed them, notably uh, Commander's Palace right. and Pat O'Brien's. How's the expansion working? Well, I had to learn to adapt. And um, I took a chance on moving to a, a different city out of New Orleans because we had been in New Orleans. Our products are based on history and of New Orleans, of what the Creoles wore every day, what they used in their homes. So to take that history and to move it to a small city, a beach city as Destin, Florida, was very challenging. So instead of Jove being number one product that we sell, our perfumes, I did have to tweak it a little bit. Fragrance is my first love. My second love is fashion. So I was able to come in contact with some really great designers, clothes, uh, scarves, great hats. So I was able to create a boutique over there and not so much to have a perfumery as it is here in New Orleans where we just strictly focus on our fragrances. 
So we're there teaching uh, the new generations that would go to Dillard's or that would go to Saks to buy modern fragrances. We are teaching, so we're almost like a school of perfumery in Destin and showing them this is how we choose fragrances in New Orleans. This is how uh, the three or four generations still come in to this day with their granddaughters or with their great-granddaughters and say, my grandmother brought me here on my 10th birthday and let's pick out your fragrance, a fragrance that you can wear the rest of your life and have this experience. So it's not just walking out of Hove with a luxury product at a affordable price, it is the experience, the one-on-one teaching that we give, how to apply fragrances, what fragrances wear well. Where do you apply it? It, Your wrist? Is that what it is? Yeah, your pulse points. Pulse points. Your neck, your wrist. Some ladies do it behind their legs. I've never gone that far. I think my neck and my wrist suffice. And do do people have a a fragrance that's their fragrance? Yes. Like for for life? Some ladies... Even still to this day, with us being there almost uh, 85 years, still wear the same fragrance. They feel that they're cheating on their bottle of tea olive or vetiver (laughs) if they go and change fragrances. Now, for me, it's what I wake up and I'm like, okay, I feel like heliotrope today, or I feel like carnival, or I feel like sweet olive today if they're in blossom. So it's really what I feel like wearing. And every season is different. I am not going to wear a heavy, spicy oriental fragrance in the summertime in the south because that would be too heavy, too overpowering. So I would wear something light. So these are all the tools that we're teaching a generation of customers that have never been to Hove, that have never been to a perfumery. They've just been to the Dillard's fragrance counter and said, okay, let me buy Britney Spears today. Now, what does Britney Spears have to do with fragrance? No, No. I don't. She's from Kentwood, but I don't know. That's really all I know. uh, (laughs) Not that I'm not a Britney Spears lover, but to um, to truly know what's in a product, how that oil is extracted from flowers and from roots, oils that are indigenous that are right here in our backyards, that we can create and make fragrances out of. It's kind of special. I would think a tourist goes into your uh, place, you know, kind of falls in love with it, and then isn't always in New Orleans and wants to buy it. Is it online, or how do they, how do you continue there? Mail order. You know, Miss Hobie King, the founder in the 1920s, she was one of the first original mail order businesses. We still did everything on index cards in the 1980s. In the 1990s, too, this was my very first job right out of college. And when my aunt and uncle were training me, I said, we are not on computers. I mean, we just started putting... Uh, our mail order business online at that time frame, but we still did everything on index cards. I took 10,000 people one year and added them all onto our mailing database. So, it's amazing, I know. So and when it's you wanna, hard to believe. <laughs> so if you want to learn more about high-tech business, that's where you go to Jerry, right? You've got, uh, right. They, uh, right. Uh, right. we're about as low-tech as you get. Hot dogs are an impulse item, and we do street vending. I mean, we have computers in the office now. Uh, back in 2000, our most sophisticated piece was probably an adding machine. Uh, you so know, one Y2K thing, um, did not? No, did not affect this. I mean, we, the adding machine was immune to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing most people don't realize is that Lucky Dog, at one point, in 1998, we became a legalized company in the People's Republic of China. 
and wow. we, we actually sold on the streets of Beijing. Oh, uh, that's great. Well, except people there saw the cart and they wasn't sure if it was. One gentleman thought it was a missile, so they oh, really wow. they, they really weren't certain what I a hot dog that. was. Right. So, so the, the the shape of the cart didn't really help us. Um, and then, if you think Louisiana is corrupt, try China. We went over and, and we tried it out. There was no patent protection. They actually gave us a site. We could have sold the traditional all-American capitalistic hot dog in the Museum of the People's Revolution on Tiananmen Square. But no one goes in the Museum of the People's Revolution. So we passed on that and tried it in a mall. <laughs> wow. We were there for about four months and then we, we pulled out just without protection. There was, it would have been too costly to stay. And then if you're really successful, um, some local politician is going to copy your idea and take your sites. Right. So wow. we realized that quickly enough and we moved back. It's, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's stories after stories with Lucky Dogs. I mean, one year uh, in the quarter, a gentleman walked into our shop and he had a horse. And he asked me, he said, um, would you like to buy this horse? And I said, sir, you can't bring the animal in here. And then I looked. He, he was obviously drunk. <laughs> and he was a tourist. And he, it said NOPD on the saddle. <laughs> the saddle. And I said, sir, let's take this horse outside and you need to take it back to where you got it right now. We got him outside on Decatur Street, which where we were located at the time, it was in the early 1980s. And after about the fifth try, he made it into the saddle. And the horse was obviously the smarter of the two. And he was weaving his way through the crowd, heading toward Jackson Square as the rider was in the saddle, just weaving left to right as he sang Happy Trails to You. And, and you know, call me a cynic, but I do not believe it was Happy Trails at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, see, that's, that's why you go to work every day. That's always something different. This, uh, now, this is the part of the show we call the checklist where I ask you a, a question that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. And uh, um, I will say, Amy, because you, you work in the world of romance, that I will ask you, what's the worst date you ever had? Well, dealing with the fragrance industry, um, since that guys wear uh, in, in college, oh. uh, polo, if y'all have polo, no, get rid no, of it. Grant and I wear nothing. So they, uh, it's a, what? So just, a bad smelling so, date. Just, yeah, just being overpowering, obnoxious. <laughs> Me wearing something that's very subtle, uh, where I would be the only one that should be able to wear it in my zone. Walking in with somebody with the putrid college boy smell. So if there's any college students out there, yeah, tone it down a little bit. Visit Hove. <laughs> <laughs> because you do have well, men's fragrances, we'll right? Will introduce you to something other than Gucci or Polo. And uh, I, I watched a lot of TV, so I know that Axe works. Women just immediately just follow you around the streets uh, after that, right? Is that, I will is that go, an ad? I will go the other way. Okay, all right, okay. That's, that's what I needed to <laughs> it's check. It's definitely just the ad. That's $6 I didn't have to spend. That's great. The, uh, and Jerry, um, you've written a book. You're a scholar. Your other part of your life is a scholar as such. What, give me a book that changed your life. Uh, you know, there's, I don't know about changing the life, but two books that are really good. Um, and very seldom do I read a book twice, but, but these two I did. One was by my old mentor, Stephen Ambrose, which was Undaunted Courage, about yeah, the yeah. Lewis and Clark trek. And, and Steve has the ability, as a writer, to put you there and to make you feel like you're on that journey. And if you can get lost in a book, I think that's a great thing. And the other book is by a gentleman by the name of Robert Corum, and it's called Boyd, B-O-Y-D, 
and it's about an Air Force colonel who helped design the F-15 and F-16. Um, Boyd was so far ahead of his time, the Marine Corps, dis I mean the Air Force disliked him because he was telling them everything that was wrong with their aircraft. The Marine Corps built a statue to him. So <laughs> it, it's a phenomenal read. And, and I think one of the best things that Boyd talked about the military, and he was talking about becoming a general. He said, if you're in the military, you can either do good things or become somebody. He said, you cannot be both. Because to make it to the top, you're selling yourself out somewhere along the way. It's a very interesting book. Now it's time to pay it forward, where we ask the guests to generously use their experience and expertise to help an entrepreneur with a new business. Today's company is a creative digital marketing agency called Ember Networks. Ember Networks specialize in web design and development, search engine optimization, social media management, and making audio and visual content. In their two years of business, they've worked with around 50 clients, including the Sazerac Company, Juan's Flying Burrito, Slice Pizza, and Tales of the Cocktail. CEO of Ember Networks, Matt Berman, says they don't offer templates or a standardized approach to online marketing. They tailor their work to a client's specific requirements. And Amy, you sell perfume on your Jave website, and Jerry, even though you presumably can't sell Lucky Dogs online, although I'm I think about that a lot. You, you can't avoid dealing with a digital component, even if it's just other people commenting online about you. Uh, Matt from Ember Network says, we would like to position ourselves as the digital media and digital marketing specialist for New Orleans business. As two of New Orleans' most distinctive businesses, what advice would you offer Matt? You know, I did the biography on Higgins, and, and one of the things I discovered about Higgins um, that may be beneficial to him Mr. Higgins was never scared to hire people more intelligent and sharper than he was. He would go out and find the best and the brightest. And, and I think that's what you have to do, find the best people you can, and then when you find them, treat them the way you would like to be treated and give them everything they need to succeed because if they succeed, you succeed. And I mean, that, that's what I would and I think I'd want to And good people hard to hold a hold. It hold is, they, yeah. they need to take ownership even if it's not their business. I, I find that with my employees. I want to hire somebody that loves Jove, that wants to wake up every day and say, I can't wait to get into that shop today. They need to take ownership. If they take ownership, it's just like having yourself, the owner, working in your business because they're going to sell your product as well as you, if not better, and they're going to promote it. They're going to put that name of that business in their mind and then turn around word of mouth talk to somebody else about it and you're going to get better clients they're going to present your image whether it's good or bad right yeah they and is this the kind of thing that a company's your size would like to outsource in other words you'd have to be pretty big to want to manage the social media and all that by yourself oh does it would it be something you'd want to farm out to somebody like matt or would it Oh yeah, I would. Just from graduating from the 1990s till now, technology has changed so much. And to keep myself refreshed on what's going on in the market today, um, I would need help. I would need fresh blood to come in and say, this is where the market is going today. Let's. Would you be willing to do that? And me, how I like to be in control sometimes, I would have to give up and say, okay, let's try it. Let's see if it works. And if it doesn't work, we'll go down a different avenue. Well, the advantage yeah. is, if you have someone else handling it for you, then you can concentrate on your own business. Yeah. 
that's one less thing you have to worry about. Exactly. And that's the service he offers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, you know, the idea of both of your companies, you know, so so time tested and all, and yet now you've, you know, trying to figure out where's the, where's the business going, you know, right. the with forward. the competition, with you, with with sure. food industry, how do you stay different? I see it because you've been in the French Quarter forever. If somebody asked me, what do you need to do? Definitely, you go to a Lucky Dog stand. Yeah. I mean, you know, that is one of the, the top five things to do in the city. Most people want to change. I want to stay the same, yeah. especially post-Katrina. There's a few things that you really want to still keep the same that was there when you were a child. And you must yeah. be tempted from time to time to offer something else in addition, you know, waffles or something like that. And, well, uh, but staying pure, I guess, is what's kept yeah. you here. That, that's true, and the Supreme Court decision also limits us to hot dogs and hot tamales, though we do not sell hot tamales. Can you picture Scalia coming in town, taking the waffles off your, yeah, off your truck? Yeah. This is so great. I, I can't think of you the same way anymore. This is great. <laughs> Jerry Strahan, Amy Wendell, um, we've come to the end of lunch. Um, if we thought ahead, we'd all carpool back to the French Quarter, which would, be, which would work out pretty well. But uh, this has been a lot of fun and fascinating. Uh, thank you both for joining me on Out to Lunch today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great businesses and great folks running them. Uh, my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Amy Wendell, owner and creator of Jave Parfum, and Jerry Strahan. He's the general manager of Lucky Dogs for the last 37 years. Uh, to find out more about Amy's fragrances and Jerry's Franks, follow the links on our websites, www.no.org and it's neworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, and live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. The much sought after Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast and you can listen to past shows and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One mixing production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Era Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at presonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch Around the Table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.